0: Welcome to the Peace Corner Podcast. This series is brought together by GPAC, UNOY, and CSPPS. Each episode will bring to you a different peace builder and their personal story. In this season, we dive into the topic of inclusivity. How do we meaningfully bring this concept beyond tokenism? How can we truly involve women and youth in peace building? Young women and men still suffer from stereotypes, myths and policy panics that harm their agency and affect realising their full potential for peace.
1: The evidence is clear. Development is not sustainable if it is not fair and inclusive.
0: Our efforts to build and sustain peace need to be democratised to include the communities most affected. Young people are our best chance in succeeding.
1: In order to break the status quo and make the world a better place, we need gender equality. The fantastic phrase, women's rights are human rights, must become the spine of all our political work.
0: Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Peace Corner podcast. Today, we are going to dive into the topic of social cohesion in Ukraine through peace education. And to do so, we have invited uh, Roman Koval, Uh, who is the founder and head of the Institute for Peace and Common Ground in uh, Ukraine. So Roman, nice to have you here.
1: Nice to meet you. Hi.
0: Hi. Um, You're joining us from Kiev today, is that correct? Correct. Okay. Perfect. So uh, great. Um, Peace building um, through education. How to build peace through education. So I would like to start asking you what personally motivates you to be a peace builder?
1: That was actually a difficult question for me. Uh, you know, in, in your life, sometimes you don't really ask this question yourself. Uh, and uh, I just remembered the time when I uh, was thinking about uh, what shall I do in my uh, future life? and. Listening to my parents uh, in the kitchen, it was the Soviet Union. I realized that uh, you can't really get any satisfaction from working for the state because the results of your work do not really, uh, are not needed to anybody. And uh, being probably 17 years old or 16, I realized that. uh, uh, the only way to be satisfied with your own life is to work for people, not for a state. Uh, and business was out of the picture because in the Soviet Union nobody could have his own business. Uh, more, even Even more it was a crime and you could be arrested for this. So I wasn't thinking about having my own business. I was thinking that I could be either a doctor or a teacher. Uh, Being a teacher for me meant something more than uh, just know the subject that you are teaching well enough. It seemed like you have to be a a person with certain life experience so that you can actually teach uh, young people and children uh, not just the mathematics or chemistry, but uh, uh, have certain answers uh, on how to... Leave this life, how to resolve certain uh, challenges or difficulties or conflicts in your life, which I didn't know how to do, so I thought that maybe being a doctor is a better choice, because if you know medicine, then you can help people. And somehow, uh, well, I didn't become a doctor because uh, of a different story. Uh, I thought that I might be a psychiatrist. And uh, psychiatry at that time in the Soviet Union was a repressive uh, institution which uh, I couldn't really reconcile with. And when I first heard about mediation, I realized that this is a perfect uh, area for my personal career because uh, this is the way to help people to resolve conflicts. And uh, I felt that this is something that I can be helpful with. And I didn't like when, basically, I would observe any uh, incidents of violence or conflicts around me. So I thought that this is very nice. And then I was uh, given the video of a family group conferencing uh, in New Zealand with Maori traditions, which touched me very deeply, and I realized that this is something completely non-existent in the society where I live, and I can probably do something in order to bring those traditions in our life, in our communities, and that's what the Institute for Peace and Common Ground is doing right now. That was a long answer to your question, but you know, I couldn't answer quicker, basically. <laughs>
0: No, I, I believe it was a very fascinating que- uh, answer, actually. And it's really interesting to, to hear from you, your journey to to become a peace builder. And um, just to uh, deepen a little bit what you said, um, so why exactly did you decide to focus on, on youth? Uh,
1: well, first of all, uh... When we started working with uh, training mediators pretty quickly, we realized that uh, uh, there are lots of conflicts happening in the educational system, in schools, and uh, we know the tool that probably might be helpful. Uh, When we tried uh, training peer mediators in 2006, we suddenly realized that they are much more perceptive to those principles and values and they do it much better than any adults could do Um, for a number of reasons one they well the way we explained it to ourselves one reason was that uh, basically they have less of this uh, psychological protection mechanisms that adults do they're less cynic than adults and they just grasp the essence of this approach being absolutely sincere and um, open to those values and just do it and they are actually much more successful uh, in terms of the courage that they have uh, approaching conflict situations in terms of the trust building in terms of their beliefs Uh, so Yeah, it's working and they are very active and many of them actually now uh, are in the peace building movement and uh, they are very helpful in the current moment in Ukraine. Okay. Uh, What motivates is actually their successes and uh, when you see how people actually... um, Reconcile is not the best word. I'm looking for a better one. Uh, Well, yeah, people achieve peace in their hearts. They actually come to the agreement. Um, This is such a positive uh, uh, feeling that even if you are not a party in this process, you can feel it just being around. So that's something that really drives uh, my motivation in continuing doing what I'm doing. Just to see people getting happy from being sad, that's a very um, grateful and very blessing experience, I would say.
0: Yeah, um, wow, I completely agree with you. It's really interesting to to hear about that. And, and so it's really uh, interesting to see also how this process brings um, young people uh to behave and to be also outside the uh, outside schools and so um, related to this as you said uh, also in ukraine right now um there have been uh some some conflicts and also back a few years ago there have been some conflicts going on um in particular i'm referring to the so-called revolution of dignity of 2014 and i would like to ask you maybe um, if you can um, contextualize a little bit what was going on during that year and how, in your opinion, um, the kind of peaceful protest that started in 2013 then turned out to be um, uh, more uh, into a conflict and basically, basically. Uh, then the the revolution uh, broke out and also since you work with children, since you work with young people and youth, how um, do you think the perception of of youth involvement was in these events and what what role did they play?
1: Well, uh, many people probably would agree with me that they played a major role in this whole event because these are not just some conflicts, that was a major conflict with a capital C. and uh, the aspirations that the whole nation had once the uh, association with the European Union was signed. Uh, well, it wasn't signed, but there was an agreement that may, we're moving the, in that direction, uh, which really uh, encouraged uh, and inspired lots of young people um, with an idea that we will live in a different country, in a European country, and uh, freedom and dignity will be the major values that the country will live with, and uh, these were actually the words uh, said on the Maidan uh, scene from the uh, from the scene, and people. Uh, picked them up and that's how the revolution of dignity was actually get it name uh, and students uh, were the first ones actually who came to the maidan square uh, to peacefully protest against the decision that the uh, president Yanukovych has made uh, by changing the uh, direction of the international policy of ukraine from european integration to uh, going back to russia and the kind of soviet values and uh, uh, something that really disappointed lots and lots of people but the students and uh, young people were the ones who actually reacted uh, the fastest and they were protesting on maidan and it was a peaceful process until uh, the government has used force uh, against them and then uh, many adults actually joined the protest and then there was uh, the whole story of uh, pretty violent and escalated uh, uh, fight uh, first in Kiev, uh, mostly around Maidan and uh, for those who are interested in more details uh, uh, about the escalation of events and how the peaceful protest turned into a violent uh, process and into a revolution? Uh, I would really recommend watching um, Winter on Fire. Uh, you can find this documentary on Netflix, and I think it's a pretty adequate uh, representation of the events in 2013
0: 2014 okay thank you yes definitely yeah it's it's good to have these um good sources to to look at them to see exactly what happens and and why what happened and why and um so, given the participation of young people of students um do you also think that following those events of two thousand thirteen two thousand and fourteen following the revolution, there should be um change in the education uh, system um that might mm, for instance uh help um young people to to keep uh, having these values of peace and 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 freedom and dignity and especially participation in decision making.
1: Well, I think the answer is obvious, and I would say that uh, uh, young people have to learn those values, regardless of whether they had revolution or didn't have revolution. Uh, and I didn't mention that actually many of those young people, including those whom we trained before the revolution took place, they actually participated in in the Maidan events, organizing dialogues on Maidan, organizing some volunteer support, and uh, uh, being negotiators and participating in uh, uh, in even keeping the uh, the life of the Maidan uh, protest uh, peaceful and. Uh, non-violent and non-conflict. And uh, at the moment, Ukraine uh, is a divided society. And yes, we live uh, in the country which is, uh, which is having a war, and this is a hybrid war. And uh, basically, the country is divided by different stereotypes, different perceptions, and uh, different groups who actually disagree uh, with regard to the uh, value system that the country should live with uh, with regard to the um, international orientation of the country uh, the people want to have uh, secure life like uh, it was during the soviet of time and the people who actually believe that uh, freedom and dignity are more important values than just uh, comfort and secure. Uh, And uh, it is important that we do build capacity in the society for people to be able to find common ground, be able to build bridges between uh, citizens of the country, between neighbors in the communities, and uh, well, it it will be strange to think that this is something which is not important, because uh, in our organization, the Institute for Peace and Common Ground, we believe that um, most of the problems and challenges, they could be resolved through understanding, and understanding is not something that just happens occasionally or depends on whether you are smart or not, although, yes, it's better when you are a smart person and you can understand others uh, well, but uh, it's also because of the processes that we build, it's because of the choices that we make, it also because of your ability to actually consider the importance and value of the opinion of somebody else, not just yourself and question your own beliefs and being open to um, alternatives and uh, basically following the values of uh, peace and non-violent communication so this is very important and uh, we have a number of uh, initiatives that uh, we believe really helps young people in ukraine to to get this capacity and build those skills
0: okay um wow so basically also your institute uh, you're basically doing this um through uh, uh carrying out projects based on peace education which is basically um like which, which basically brings all this concept of, of dialogue and mutual understanding and and bringing together people to actually speak and to understand each other's opinions on, on the same, uh, at the same table. Um, so this is really, really, I believe personally also that it's a really, really strong and powerful tool to use peace education to do that. And so I would like to ask you if you can maybe share with us an example uh, where through peace education as a student uh, has changed? um, If How basically your trainings and how this concept have um, made an impact of of a young person? And what was the active change?
1: Well, um, there were many changes actually in in the life of the people, young people with whom we worked. Uh, Some of them uh, basically Uh, became dialogue facilitators in their own communities. Some of them uh, actually now work in our organization because they have been trained as uh, peer mediators back in 2008 and then as trainers. And now, for example, this young lady is a peace-building advisor in our organization who works with many schools in Ukraine, helping them to build uh, uh, school centers for common ground. Uh, and uh, one of the uh, first peer mediators whom we trained, uh, and I remember her name was Julia, uh, and uh, she basically uh, was uh, a pretty challenging student, I would say, and teachers were uh, probably uh, treat her as a troublemaker, activist at school, because she was always at the head of any initiative, regardless whether it was a good initiative or a bad initiative. But uh, once we selected her as the candidate to become peer mediator at school, because she had authority among her peers, And she became interested in becoming the mediator. She uh, changed all of a sudden, so she became a real uh, change maker. So she uh, was able to conduct uh, about 100 mediations in her school in two months. Uh, And of course she became the first candidate to become the trainer. And uh, she became uh, a mediation trainer. She became a circle pe- keeper, and she was speaking in front of 300 uh, school directors uh, and the president of Ukraine at that time, explaining what are peacemaking circles and explaining why this important tradition, which was also uh, a decision-making tool among Ukrainian Cossacks in the Pryyskatsich. Um, is so important to be applied in Ukrainian schools for building uh, stronger communities in in our classroom, in our schools, and uh, in our society at large. Well, at the moment, uh, she helped uh, a number of other schools basically to create school centers for common ground. She was talking to her peers uh, who were at the uh, last three grades uh, at school. um, Just saying that I'm exactly like you. I just finished school and that's what I have been doing there and uh, that's how you can help your friends to resolve conflicts and become uh, better friends and build strong relationships in your classroom and basically enjoy communication and friendship. At the moment she works as a teacher um, and she Teaches her uh, students basically same skills in conflict re- resolution and peacemaking.
0: Wow, that is that is just amazing to to hear about the story of Julia and and how basically uh, her life has changed, and now she's helping and she's an active peace builder as well, and and she's carrying out this this project and and working with you, and it's just amazing. So like, she's one of the people who are actually uh, actively working to create, um, as you said, a common ground and and more um, stronger communities. So, however, as you mentioned before, Ukraine is currently quite a a divided society. So I would like to ask you, for you, what does inclusion mean?
1: Well, Inclusion means a lot of things, Uh, especially in such a country as Ukraine. uh, People were never included in the process of uh, making decisions which impact their lives, which are important for them and uh, that people will depend on. So, basically, uh, inclusion in Ukraine really starts from uh, the pure essence of participation so of being able basically to participate in the processes that are relevant and that are impacting your life and uh, in, in a certain way the whole uh, nation has been excluded uh, from uh, making decisions about uh, their own lives uh, in the former Soviet Union uh, of course, there are lots of uh, minority groups which are excluded uh, from a majority life in communities as well. And uh, that's part of what we are doing in our projects uh, which aim to build dialogue in communities. And uh, the project which we uh, say is creating infrastructure for peace in, in the country. Um, We take people from the uh, local authorities, we take people from civil society and we build their capacity to uh, prepare, organize and facilitate dialogue processes in which uh, everybody who is a relevant stakeholder to the uh, conflict situation or the problem which is at stake Um, could be involved, have a voice, and basically um, have an opportunity to contribute to the um, discussions and the decisions which are made at the end uh, uh, through consensus and mutual agreement Uh, it's it's just a, a need it's a right and it's also an important value that I think every society should develop if they want to have peace inside. And I think uh, peace builders are the ones who uh, carry this in their hearts and they should basically remember about it, they should remember their own experience when they felt excluded, and they have to uh, basically develop their work in a way that uh, there will be less groups and individuals who would feel excluded rather than uh, as it usually happens when things just go their own way. Uh, I do remember uh, one of the studies uh, which was shared by uh, Mary Fitzstaff. Uh, the director of one of the organizations named Encore from Northern Ireland um, and they were studying uh, 91 civil war going in on the planet earth and a certain period of time uh, it was in 2000s i believe and she said that uh, they discovered that there is uh, a certain number of years that it takes for a civil war to start since the very first allegations of the uh, minority rights uh, being neglected that take place how long do you think it starts it takes
0: um,
1: I know but... that I wasn't supposed to be asking questions you <laughs> supposed to be asking questions to me uh, but okay I, <laughs> I can move on and uh, Yeah, it was shocking to know that basically it was taking 18 years. Oh, wow. Uh, And she thought that it's probably the new generation, it takes a new generation to grow up with the feeling that they have been neglected and excluded. And uh, this is a situation of absolute injustice that they want to change. Um, And I think uh, regardless of... uh, the situation that, uh, may lead to those, uh, circumstances, um, exclusion is never uh, an excuse. Uh,
0: yeah. Wow. That is, yeah, that is so, so crazy to think that it would take so much time, uh, that it, it took so much time to, to change that. And, and yes, definitely peace building, um, can be, uh, a great tool to use to to change those things, um, and so we talked about inclusion, and 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 we are speaking with you, who are uh, a great peace builder. So I would like to ask you to conclude our um, interview. So, in in just a few words, how can we like uh, actually concretely change uh, these? How can we go behind um, tokenism, and how can um, we make peace-building, meaningfully uh, inclusive?
1: Uh, That's also a difficult question because uh, I was uh, listening to some of the smart people from whom I'm really trying to learn. uh, And... I found uh, some recommendations which uh, were mainly uh, appealing to the peace builders who are doing their work and who actually should be honest with themselves and uh, being passionate enough with what they're doing and uh, being perceptive. To the outside world. Uh, I'm trying to basically find the reference right now. Well, in particular, I'm trying to remember the uh, speech of one of the founders of the uh, restorative justice principles when we asked him to uh, speak at one of our conferences. Uh, which was devoted to introducing restorative justice in the criminal justice system of Ukraine to change the way we deal with conflicts whenever the criminal justice system calls them a crime. Uh, And I know that peace building and restorative justice are a little bit different concepts, but uh, in our organization, we believe that restorative approach is... A big part of peace building because we help basically to restore so- social cohesion. We help people to restore um, their own uh, perceptions. We help to restore relationships. And we help to restore the harm which is made through conflict and through um, violence. And so when he was talking to restorative. Uh, practitioners he said that the most important value is respect and uh, it means that uh, regardless of where we find people on uh, on the they, on the distance between right or wrong we should respect those people and we should probably... Uh, this is one of the values that may basically may help Peacebuilder to become truly inclusive. Um, if we're really able to feel this respect uh, inside our hearts to the people that we work with.
0: Um, wow, yes, thank you. Um,
1: another value is modesty. Mm-hmm. And the another value is basically Uh, well probably curiosity was the word that he was uh, but it's uh, it's basically about being open to uh, something different that you believe in Mm,
0: okay so yeah those are definitely some values that some people might have naturally but most of the people should probably learn to have because sometimes it's really really difficult to being open-minded and, and to be able to listen to someone else uh, opinion and and yeah probably there must be also a certain amount of curiosity and and understanding and definitely that cannot be exist if there's no respect at the base of that so thank you so much for having shared with us um your thoughts about this um our interview is now conclude concluded but i really would like to to thank you for having shared your experience your great work um what your organization uh, also is doing in ukraine um and it's really i believe it's always uh so inspiring to hear people who work in the field of peace education and peace building and and restorative justice and basically people who work in conflict situation or post conflict situation because there is still a lot to do uh, in the world and we really need people like you and and the people that who are working with you to do that so thank you very much
1: thank you federica and i hope that maybe my story may inspire somebody else to join the peace building forces i'm
0: sure it will Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Peace Corner. Interested in hearing more from us? Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you might be
1: listening.